0: Hey, Drew Dixon from Love and back with you for another Bible Thump. And uh, we're in the book of 1 Peter, where we've been camping out for a while. And uh, I'm so glad that you've chosen to listen to this or to watch on YouTube, whichever way you're consuming this. Um, thanks. It's really cool that you would take the time to uh, listen to this on, on LTN radio or watch it on YouTube. But um, we've been in 1 Peter, and we're in 1 Peter 3. And what we do here in Bible Thump is we open the Bible, we read a little bit, and then we try to find some encouragement. And... Um, this passage, I think, is like another difficult one, right? We've been after we've been through difficult passage after difficult passage, and I think hopefully we've even in those difficult passages we we have, haven't we? We found some encouragement, we found some things to hang our hat upon, or anchor our our souls in, and 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 get some hope and some 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 peace and some joy and some focus. Um, and I hope that you'll find that in this as well. Um, all right, so First Peter 3, starting in verse 13. We're just going to read through verse 17. So First Peter three thirteen, The Apostle Peter writes, Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Alright, so um, really should have read on because the next passage that follows is really important to what's going on here, but we'll look at that again next week. But um, yeah, this is... This is another pretty countercultural, pretty like jarring passage in First Peter because he's saying like, um, he's saying suffering brings opportunity. I think, and he's saying the way we suffer matters, and he's implying that as followers of Jesus, um, and really I think as people in the world, um, suffering is likely to happen. Although he does caveat this. He does make a pretty strong statement in verse 13. Who will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? Um, There's an implication there that generally, if you're devoted to what is good, that things are going to go okay. Like generally speaking, right? If you're devoted to to doing good things, um, you're not going to be punished for that, right? Um, Nobody is punished for like being honest And the way they do their taxes, nobody is punished for crossing the street on the crosswalk rather than just like jaywalking, (laughs) right? Like generally speaking, um, those are things you're not punished for. What are you punished for? Well, you're punished for when you do things, generally speaking, that harm other people or that, um, that, you know, break the law, right? For your own selfish gain, which breaking the law for your own selfish gain usually does harm other people, right? Um, So generally speaking, if you do what's right and what's good, things are going to go well for you, generally speaking, right? But he goes on to say, like, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. So he says, don't fear what they fear or be intimidated. The implication here is that we would have Jesus people, Jesus followers, Jesus people have a different perspective, a different focus um, than everyone else. Like we have a different way of seeing the world. Um, We have a different perspective that gives us an anchor so that even when we're suffering for righteousness, in other words, he's saying if you're suffering and it's because you're actually doing the right things, like you're actually devoted to the kingdom of God, like you're actually devoted to the good of your neighbor, like you're actually um, lifting up the cause of the fatherless and helping the widow and like you're invested in helping um, the world be a better place. And you're like, uh, tuned in to Jesus's kingdom values. Like if that's you and you suffer for righteousness sake here's what you need to know. Um, you're actually blessed according to God's way of seeing the world. You're actually blessed according to his kingdom. So even though the world will look at you and think you're cursed like that things are not going well for you that like you're in a really bad spot in God's economy in God's way of seeing the world. He says you're actually blessed. You have the favor of God, which is a far greater gift than anything this world has to offer. All right. Um, So what else? What else do we see here? Well, um, he says, uh, don't be overcome with fear, right? Don't be overcome with fear or be intimidated. But what should we do instead? Instead, in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Ready at any time to give a defense to anyone, anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So, what's he saying? Here's how we fight the the the, the temptation to like fear and anxiety that that would otherwise consume us when we're suffering. Right? When, we, when we're being punished for actually doing what's right, when, when things go poorly for us, but even though we're like tuned into the Jesus' kingdom values, um, here's how you avoid falling into like debilitating anxiety and fear. Regard Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts. What does that mean? Regard Christ the Lord as holy. Well, to be holy means to be set apart. Um, so he's saying, "Set apart Jesus as Lord. your heart. Set him apart as king. Like, if Jesus is your king, then your perspective when you suffer for doing things that are right, when people actually go after you because you're doing what's right and what's good and what brings glory to God, like um, if Jesus is first place in your heart, you can stomach that, right? Because you recognize that the world doesn't revolve around you, that you're not in this You're not on this planet to get ahead. You're not on this planet to make money. You're not on this planet to be a social media influencer. You're not on this planet to gain more followers. You're not here um, for you and for your glory and for your namesake. You're here to point people to Jesus, to help people find the hope that, that is found in him. You're here to promote his kingdom values, which are so much more beautiful and good than the things that we tend to value in this present kingdom we find ourselves in, which is awaiting redemption in Jesus. So one day, all those values that we have there are kind of askew and jacked up, like those values for just like, I don't know, wealth, fame, um, social status, like all those are going to be redeemed and refocused into more alignment with Jesus' kingdom values. So why not now ask God to realign our values more in tune with his? I think that's what we ought to be doing. What does that look like? Well, um, for one, I think, for one thing that we can pull from this passage is that we ought to think about the way that we approach suffering. Um, I think followers of Jesus should suffer differently. There should be a distinct way in which we think about suffering and that we, um, like embody, um, the gospel as we suffer. So here's, here's, here's what Peter suggests. He says, be ready as you suffer to make a defense for hope that you have in Christ. So, um, suffering tends to move people around you to ask you questions, doesn't it? Like the more gnarly the suffering you're facing is like, um, Like my my dad had cancer several years ago, and praise the Lord, he's he's it's in remission. He's doing really well, but it was pretty scary for a while. Like it was pretty serious, and all of a sudden, like people are asking my dad about how he's processing this. Like they want to hear his story, right? The deeper you're suffering, the more people want to hear your story, and so, um, yeah, I think even if you're not suffering now, let's we should be we should have this perspective of like, am I ready to share my story? my story of my relationship with Jesus as I suffer, because people are going to want to hear it. Be ready to make a defense. That's one thing. That's one of the ways we're called to suffer. But then Peter also tells us to do it with gentleness and respect. I think implicit in this is this idea that we wouldn't retaliate, that we would not um, seek revenge on the people that are persecuting us and causing our suffering. We should not want to, like, utterly destroy Um, the people that are trying to destroy us, which is really hard to fathom because, um, I want a lot, if I'm honest, like a lot of times I want some serious harm to fall on the people that are doing the most damage to other people in the world. Like the people that are causing the most serious harm and suffering in the world, I kind of want them to get their, their comeuppance, you know, I kind of want to get what them to get what's coming to them. But Peter says, when we suffer, we ought to do so with gentleness and respect. Um, that we realize that it's not about us, that we realize that we don't have to put other people in their place. Um, That's not to say that we don't stand up to oppressors. I think that's that's really important to gather from this passage. I want to talk about that more in just a minute. I don't think Peter's telling us we can't stand up to oppressors or shouldn't stand up to oppressors. That's not what this passage is about, and I'll explain that more in a minute. But, um, but we also do so with a clear conscience, like to make sure that as we suffer, we're not um, falling into, um, you know, other patterns of sin like slander or, or that we're not uh, responding to abuse by becoming abusers ourselves, that we're not responding to suffering by becoming those who inflict harm on other people ourselves. Like, there's a dignity that we're called to embody as Jesus people that we, that we, that we, that we that we, and a dignity that we're called to embody that's actually a form of strength that's not, it's not revenge and it's not, um, it's not destroying other people as we're, as they're trying to destroy us. It's not getting, you know, knocking someone down before they knock us down. That's not what it's about. We suffer with a clear conscience. We suffer for doing good. If you're suffering because you're, you know, responding to evil with evil, then I think what Peter would say is like, you're getting your comeuppance, like you're getting what's coming to you. Those are just consequences. Uh, we've Someone's got to break the cycle of violence. Someone's got to break the cycle of objectification in this world. Somebody's got to break the cycle of, of doing harm to people made in the image of God. Um, and so the posture and attitude of Jesus' people in suffering is different. It's countercultural. It's otherworldly. It's dignified. It does not invite more abuse... But in fact, it is the way we suffer is a profound way to take a stand against injustice. So I want to read a quote um, from N.T. Wright too that I think helps explain this. But like he was talking about this whole idea that Jesus put forward that we're to, um, you know, uh, turn the other cheek, right? Matthew five thirty-eight through thirty-nine. You've heard that it was said, "Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth." But Jesus says, "But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek." Um, turned him the other cheek, right? Um, I think we usually read that and think that means we're. Spo- when someone harms us, we simply take it, or or maybe even worse, like we ask for more. But here's what N.T. Wright says. Um, he says it's not this turning the other cheek is, is is a is a mis thinking of it that way is it, 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 is is not quite right, and that's a, a misinterpretation of this passage. So here's what he said. N.T. Wright says to be struck on the right cheek in that world in Jesus' day. Almost certainly meant being hit with the back of the right hand, so it's not just violence when you're struck that way, but it's an insult. It implies that the person being struck is an inferior, perhaps a slave or a child, or in Jesus' day and sometimes even today, a woman. That's and that that obviously that's broken, messed up thinking, but that's the way people thought. So what's the answer, Antiochus? What's the answer? Hitting back only keeps the evil in circulation. It only keeps the evil going and going, right? But Anti Wright says offering the other cheek implies hit me again if you like. But now you have to hit me as an equal, not as an inferior. So I found this article about this by um by a woman named um Alison Cook, and it's called Should I Turn the Other Cheek Up? Maybe we'll put it in the show in the show notes. Um, but uh, this is what, what she says. About this, When Jesus had turned the other cheek, he was not advocating for spinelessness, nor was he advocating for you to take the offending party off the hook and just saying, oh, it's fine for you to abuse me. Jesus is not letting abusers off the hook with this. What Jesus is showing us here is an extremely profound way to take a stand. He's saying, anchor yourself in the truth of who you are and the truth of who I am and stand your ground on what is right. Remember who you are. Remember who God has declared you to be. Um, You're not called to suffer in a way that erases who you are. You're not called to suffer in a way that just says to abusers, Oh, yeah, go on. Keep abusing me. But no, we, we suffer in a way that says, You can't take my dignity because I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. You can't make me less because my dignity, my worth, my value is has been given to me by a, a human being, by knowing that I'm a human being made in his image, and that image is being renewed day after day in Jesus as I trust and follow him. I think what Peter is saying in this passage that we just read and what Jesus is saying is that actions speak loudly. Uh, he's not telling us, um, to take more abuse, um, but rather telling us to take a stand for our own dignity and the dignity of others. So Alison Cook makes three suggestions that I think are really helpful that are examples of turning the other cheek. So when you're suffering, here's three things she says, she says you can do. She says simply do not respond. No response is a powerful response. For example, if your spouse baits you, stand firm in the power of your silence. It speaks volumes. Secondly, she says, name what is happening with confidence. If you get a snide comment from a friend, look them straight in the eye and say, that was a rude comment. Is there more where that came from? (laughs) I love that, so good. And then thirdly, she says, clarify the choice they're making. For example, you might say to your mother-in-law, is that really how you want to talk to me? A little attitude in your voice won't hurt anyone. (laughs) I love this because it's it's such a radical uh, reframing of this passage in a way that I think is really good and true and beautiful. But this way of standing up for yourself is a lot easier said than done. Um, It's hard to turn the other cheek in the way that Jesus actually would call us to. Um, But here's the thing I want you to know. Like, your dignity is firm, it's secure in him, um, and you're called to suffer uh, with dignity. But that doesn't mean that you um, just take it all the time. What it does mean is that you stand up for what's true. Um, What it does mean is that you suffer differently from the world. What it does mean is that you don't respond to violence with violence. What it does mean is that you don't respond to sin with sin, right? You break the cycle. And when you break that cycle and suffer with dignity, um, I think you'll find yourself with opportunities to uh, deepen your hope in Jesus and then point others to that deeper hope as well, which is a really beautiful thing and spreads the beauty of the kingdom of Jesus, um, spreads that good news to the people around us. Make sense? Hope this encourages you. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.